Welcome. Welcome to the Taz Show, everyone. Yes, this is he, Taz, the human suplex machine. Yes, that's what they call me, what they used to call me, or, well, I'm always going to be that human suplex machine. Welcome. Maybe you're downloading this episode right now on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you doing that. Or maybe on uh, Stitcher or Spotify or Radio.com on the Apple website. By the way, Side Note City. I know there was some sort of an issue that was going on with Radio.com with some of the podcast. Uh, I don't know if it affected uh, my show. I know Taz and the Moose, the radio sports radio show that I do every day, that that podcast of that show every day, there were some issues with that. Um, hit me up on the uh, the Twitter gimmick and let me know if there's anything going on with that. Also, you guys know Brian, uh, producer of the Taz show here, Brian Carson. You could even hit him up on the Twitter. You guys know his Twitter. It's Brian Carson with a C. Yeah, that's why I can help you with it. I mean, Brian, he's a Ranger fan. So I might say something like New York Rangers hockey. I love it. That could be his Twitter handle. Probably not. But uh, anyway, Brian, uh, he can handle all your questions. And I know he loves when I do that and tell you people to tweet him. So uh, anyway, uh, so if there's any issues with, with the radio.com app, with the podcast, let us know. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, well, welcome, uh, jobbers. Hello. Uh, yes, it's a fucking heat wave right now in the Northeast over here. I'm sure you people that are other parts of the United States, like maybe Texas or Florida, um, you guys are sweating your asses off. Uh, maybe down in Louisiana, the great state of Louisiana, Cajun City. Uh, it's always hot and musty there, too. So it must suck for you people also. Over here in New York, it's horrible. Okay. I was in California um, about a week and a half ago. And the weather was beautiful, beautiful, okay? And uh, it was hotter and more humid here in New York. So I just want to bring it up. There's your fucking weather update, so don't say I don't hook you people up. We got a Taz Hall going on in this episode here. And this is the original Taz Hall. Uh, this is the first Taz Hall after WWE just did the uh, Town Hall, not to be confused with Taz Hall. Uh, so Shane McMahon did his Town Hall meeting on SmackDown Live. Uh, I did watch it. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people felt like they hacked me. Um, kind of hard not to think that. Did I invent the town hall meeting concept? No, it's been around for decades upon decades in the world. Did I invent it in the realm of the pro wrestling community? Uh, that's called a fucking yes. That's what that's called. Okay, so yeah, that's right. So yeah, no, I did it in the pro wrestling community. You people are part of the Taz Hall, so you know that. So the town hall... Uh, that they did over there that, that Shane did. I don't know if he was trying to hack me or not or what. I have no idea. Um, it would not shock would not shock me if it was a little bit of a hack, but it's okay. You know, the, the Taz Hall, I'm sorry, the town hall they did that Shane did was funny with some of the talent ripping them a little bit. I thought it was pretty good. I, I it's different than what I do, obviously, but but um, you know, I was the Taz Hall concept. Bringing it to podcasting took a lot of thought uh, from us. There was a lot to go involve, in, involved with it, not to make it too confusing. So, um, you know, um, someone say, ah, oh, well, it's just a fancy name for a fucking Q&A. Well, yeah, yeah, sometimes I say that. But you know what? Um, 
sometimes you get what you get. You can't bitch about it. It is what it is. And you put a fucking fancy name on it. It gets over like Rover with the Taz Hall is. It's because of you people. Okay. So that's the deal. Uh, what else we got? Yeah. So we're going to jump right into it. We're working on a new open. We took the other open out, uh, other open out uh, with Bawami. You know that open, right? Because uh, we are no longer going to have the shout out in there. No more shout out for um, PKS. PKS calls uh, Taz and the Moose all the time. PKS is my friend. I like him, but he doesn't give enough love on the social media to the Taz show. Therefore, why in the fuck am I giving him love on an open? So I love you, Pete, but sorry, brother. Uh, not happened. So we're doing a new open. Uh, Pete Pilati of the uh, Taz, of Taz and the Moose is going to talk to um, Bawami, his friend, and do some uh, voiceover work with a new open for us for the uh, Taz Hall. So uh, without the Pete Gas gimmick. Hopefully he doesn't just edit and take out the words Pete Gas and then it's the same fucking open. I That would really suck and I will not play that for you people. So that's how that goes. All right, there we go. Three, two, one, Taz Hall. Oh, by the way, side note. There's always a side note. You know that. In this Taz Hall, we are going to do some uh, some Big Brother 21, too. So I've been watching the Big Brother. You guys know Big Mark for the Big Brother show. And, um, you know, on CBS TV. So Homer Jones. Anyway, I've been watching Big Brother, my wife and I, for a lot of years. So, you know, I used to, when the, the Taz show was daily for you new listeners, um, I used to, you know, cover Big Brother and talk about the Big Brother reality show all the time. So a lot of you, you people are Big Brother fans. So um, I figured, let me throw a little Big Brother uh, shit in there. If you guys have any questions on that, uh, on the Big Brother, any of my thoughts and opinions on, on all that shit, I'll, I'll get into some Big Brother. So Brian and the crew pulled some questions. Uh, I don't. For those of you that don't give a flying shit about Big, Bro- Big Brother, there's not a lot of Big Brother in this. So don't fear, okay? Don't panic. All right, three, two, one. Here we go. Uh, H Brito fourteen. How did you start liking Big Brother so much? Well, there you go. So out <laughs> of the box. Um, as I was saying, my well, the deeper story is my wife would always say to me, "This is a few years back." She's like, you and I never watch nothing on TV together. You're always watching sports. You're always watching, you know, all these different Taz highlight reels from your wrestling days. And you watch yourself nonstop on TV. When are you going to watch something with me? And I'm like, well, this is a good point. Um, I got to find something. And she goes, there's this new reality show that, that's been on a couple of seasons. And it's called Big Brother. And you, you, they put these people in a house. Uh, and they're all strangers, and they put them in this house. They take away their, you know, phones. They don't have a phone. They have no email. There's no communication with the outside world. They're just locked in this house all summer, and they compete against each other, and, and then they evict a different person each week. There's a head of household each week, and they do this through competition, and she explained the whole concept to me. I'm like, wow, sounds pretty fucking cool, actually, and boom, I watched one episode. I began to ask, Jesus, it had to be. I don't know, six years ago, seven years, something like that. And I'm like, wow. And I was locked in maybe more, maybe eight years. Out. And I was hooked and that was it. And I, and I started liking it. So that's how it happened. All right. So next question, uh, drums underscore N O one, like number one, AEW commentary team thoughts. Hmm. It's a tough one. So thoughts. Well, I, I want to answer this the right way. I want to be a gentleman, and I want to be a professional, and I want to be respectful. 
I don't want to be a douche. Um, sometimes I can be. You know that. Obviously, Jr. Uh, Hall of Famer, well-deserved. I respect him and what he does. And, of course, adding him to any announced position, you add credibility, um, years of experience, decades and decades of experience. Um, and I um, I think Jr. leading your broadcast team right there, that's a massive, massive addition and a massive uh, coup for, for AEW to get a guy like Jr. to come in and be their lead play-by-play and the voice of their brand. Now, the other gentleman, um, you know, the, the gentleman with the hood, with the mask, Excalibur, you know, I know his his background, you know, calling, he's from out in the West Coast and calling all the PWG shows and, and stuff like that. And I believe he wrestled for for a few years also as Excalibur and stuff. So West Coast, West Coast guy, I got it. Uh, and then Alex Marvez, uh, who, you know, is from uh, South Florida somewhere, probably Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I remember years ago. Alex Marvez actually interviewed me. He was working for one of the newspapers down there. And this was years ago. But this was during ECW in its prime. We used to work in Fort Lauderdale all the time in a building called the War Memorial. A uh, nice building there, right right, you know, right near the city of downtown Fort Lauderdale. Regardless, Alex Marvez used to come to those shows, and, uh, and he actually interviewed me when I was, I don't know if I was a TV champ for ECW or a world champ. I can't recall. Nice guy, you know what I mean? Good guy, really is. Um, uh, Excalibur, I've never met. If I met him, I don't recall it, but I, Mavez, yes. So, you know, and then the um, the thing is, like, I, I feel like you got to, uh, how do I word this the right way here? I, I, I believe in, at the announce desk, um, you need to have credibility. You need to have entertainment. You need to have proper information that the announcers are giving out to the audience um it, there's really you know that's the to me that's the most important thing the the announcers at the desk no matter if it's a play-by-play and two color commentators or if it's a uh you know just a play-by-play and a color commentator three-person team two-person team what have you the proper information needs to be given out it's got to be entertaining it's got to be insightful you got to bring me in the ring what credibility um I believe that, uh, you know, it's, it, that's vital. That's not important to me. That's vital. Um, so because I, I did this job and I did it for a long time, um, you know, for WWE obviously, and then TNA and, and I, I respect the job and I understand how vitally important the job is and, um, and how difficult the job can be. And, and I understand the responsibility behind it to have this hybrid mixture a potpourri of, like I said, credibility, entertainment, insight, uh, be self-deprecating, all sorts of things. There's just a just a whole mix mix in there, um, you know. And by the way, I, I didn't mention the other young man, uh, Golden Boy, who they had uh, doing announcing on. I think it was the Fighter Fest show, Fighter Feast Fest Fest. I think it is. Uh, I did not see that show, but I know he did it, and I know he was on the Titan Games, uh, the the Rock uh, Dwayne Johnson show. So. Uh, I don't, I don't know him either, to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not familiar with him. Um, I don't, I've been in the business, uh, geez, I don't know, just about three decades, 30 years. I, I don't, I don't know some of these people <laughs> that are in positions with powerful microphones as announcers. So I'm not saying, you know, that, that really, I'm not saying that they're not going to be great and things aren't going to be awesome when they're doing TV weekly. I'm just, you asked me my question, you asked me a question in my opinion, and this is my platform. 
uh, drums underscore number one. You asked me, so I'm giving you my thoughts. I don't I don't know these people except for Jim Ross. I don't know them um, from a from a powerful position of credibility behind the announce desk. Um, I also think it's a very ambitious task to expect, you know, um, three people or and then throw in Golden Boy here and there, you know, four, four, you know, uh, to to get chemistry. It's tough. You know, it's tough. Um, It's tough. Now, they've worked together a few shows. I know they did some rehearsals before the first show in Vegas, uh, JR and stuff. I know that. Um, But you know what? It's it's still you can't coach or teach chemistry. It's just either it's either there or it's not. And and it could develop a little bit. I don't want to exaggerate. It can develop a little bit, but it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy to do. Um, it it just takes time. And, and and you know, like so, for example, real quick. So when I went to TNA, and then I you know I knew I was going to work with Mike tonight. Okay, and Mike had a lot of years under his belt as a play by play guy. I had a lot of years under my belt as a color commentator. TNA knew it. I knew it. Mike today knew it. We knew that we'd have chemistry, like right off the bat. We just knew because we both had a lot of experience and a lot of years. You know what I mean? So it's like there's a certain cadence that you know is there when you do this weekly for a living, like weekly, like every week, not not spot shows, not once a month, not a fucking YouTube show, none of that. I'm talking about Big Money Jones fucking weekly for years. So I was doing it weekly for years. Mike Tanay was doing it weekly for years. And so we were both real pros. And when we got together, <clears throat> we hit our, our sea legs after one show. We got our sea legs under us after one show. It took us a few segments, and then we were off to the races. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, my point is it's tough when you have a guy with, like JR with all of this experience. And Excalibur has some experience, but on his own in his own world, out in California, PWG, and kind of just freelance and doing his thing, and then you had Marvez, who has no experience at this. You know, it's it's just, and you know, to me, it don't matter who's whose friend, who's friends with who. To me, that don't matter. It's about what's best for the show and what's best to put out there to the audience. The storytellers, the announcers, are the key. Now, I tip my cap to AW. And all the EVPs, they obviously want to have their own sound. They don't want a sound that sounds, this is my assumption. No one told me this. Just humor me, okay? They want to have their own sound. So they don't want it to sound like an old uh, TNA show or WCW show or WWE show. Uh, That's my assumption. You know, when there are a couple of, people out there that are available may be available or might have interest in doing stuff for them um and and i don't sit here and need to need to name probably i could tell you two or three names off the top of the head that off the top of my head that are bona fide pros that can work with jr with no problemo and give you the right sound um probably two two people for sure maybe three yeah, three people okay i'm not going to get into that because i'm not here to 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 book stuff for aw they they you know they they're doing their thing. They don't need me. They don't need my help, and that's fine. I'm 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 good. No problemo. I wish them nothing but the best. I wish whoever they settle up on as their announced team, because that's the thing. At the last show, they just did right. So uh, I, now Marvez was back there with Jr. and Excalibur, I believe. The show they did this past Saturday night, I guess against Evolve, but. Uh, but then Golden Boy was there at the fighter feast, and what's his name? Marvez was backstage. Like it's a little bit, like so. What you know? Who who's your team? Like it's just, 
I just don't, again, just bluntly, no disrespect, man, but like what I believe you have to show confidence in who your team is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if, if your team is and was those other three people, meaning Jim Ross, meaning Excalibur, meaning Alex Marvez, then okay. But then we saw Marvez backstage doing stuff at the, the, the fighter gimmick, fighter face, and then, you know, Golden Boy was there. But then the last one, so it's a little bit like, I just, I mean, there might be more to it. I don't know the backstory, and I don't follow AEW maybe like some of you guys do. Um, but so pardon my ignorance. I apologize if I, I don't, I, you know, if you want to, if I miss something, feel free to tweet me. If I see it, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll like it or something or reply to you or whatever, you know. Um, but just as a casual view of AW, I mean, again, you ask me the questions, drum, drums underscore number one, and uh, I try to give you the best answer I could. All right. So what else we got here? Uh, K.Medioras495. Hey, Taz. Thanks for all your hard work over the years. My question for you is in the age of everyone doing flips and crazy finishing moves, do you think a talent could ever get over a finish from yesteryear? Example, a regular DDT or or pile driver, or are those those years gone and pass? Uh, Hashtag fuck the hashtag. Okay, so I definitely, my friend, think that it's possible in this day and age of all these fancy moves and everyone has a submission, everyone's making everybody tap out, everyone's doing crazy spots, everyone's doing, you know, all this insane shit. Um, I totally, totally think that you could take an old school move like a DDT um, and get it over as someone's finish. It's very easy to do. You need the talent to do the move. And the promotion, let's just say we're talking WWE, they need to push it. He or she needs to win their matches all the time and needs to develop that finish and do it every week on TV for a good couple of months or maybe four or five weeks, five weeks, let's say, just to get it over and do video packaging on it and give it a, a cool name and that people will sweat in the move and i'm not saying like way back you know in in the in the 50s and 40s where you know or 50s maybe 50s and 60s not 40s where a body slam was a finishing move you know i i don't think you could do that as a finish but i do think something that's a little more from yesteryear high impact maybe let's say a basic vertical suplex i know it sounds crazy to a lot of people like dude there's no way you could have a wrestler have a finish that's a vertical suplex, a regular vertical suplex. I'm telling you right now, if it's pushed the right way, the audience is going to buy in. As long as it's pushed the right way and the guy or girl doing it executes the move the right way. I know it sounds wacky, but I promise you, you know, we as an audience, we're going to buy in because we want to be worked. We want to be entertained. And we know, okay, this is Mr. Wrestling xyz's finishing move and it's a vertical suplex or a regular ddt and they're pushing it on tv all the time and he hits it hard all the time and the other guy's selling it and and this dude wins the matches i fuck it i'm gonna buy in no problem you know i mean and i i think most of you guys would too so i do think it's possible that's a very good question by the way so thank you very much uh what do we got here la 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 jen underscore k317 what do you think of Natalia possibly becoming Raw Woman's champ? I think she's a good wrestler, but her character just seems bland to me. <clears throat> Thoughts? Hashtag RTG. Hashtag the Taz Show. Hashtag can WWE stop stealing your gimmicks? Interesting. Uh, so, well, 
<sighs> Natalia, she's a pro's pro. She's very respected. Locker rooms worldwide. She's earned that respect for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, super nice girl. I've got to know her a little bit while I was working in WWE with her when she was first coming in, you know, really, really nice person. Uh, you know, just, just a super girl, really, really nice girl. I get what you're saying about her character that she's portraying can come off a little bland. We saw her this past Monday night get in Becky Lynch's face face and cause Be- she was trying to be friends with Becky after she wanted to face Becky and then Becky kind of got a little hot at her and cut a little stiff promo on. Next thing you know, Natalia got a little pissed and cursed. And I remember I'm paraphrasing said, I'm going to whoop your ass or whip your ass, whatever she said. And people kind of reacted a little bit. And I do think that if you let that mean streak come out of Natalia, I do think that would be pretty cool. Um, frankly, just my opinion here on this, just I know you didn't ask about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about the match on, uh, on what do you call it, on Monday night on, on Raw. Uh, I... I was a little surprised that uh, that Natalia won the match. Um, you know, I understand that she's a proven commodity and then some. And uh, you know, it was it was uh, I don't know, you get an opportunity to go to SummerSlam in a Fatal Four Way match, an elimination match. It was Carmella, Alexa Bliss, uh, la, 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 who, uh, Naomi, Naomi, and Natalia, and, and Natalia won the match in this elimination uh, for Fatal Four Way. You know, I was surprised. I, I got to tell you, they, they had me worked a little bit. They had it seeming like the push and the, the victory was going to go towards Alexa Bliss throughout the story leading up to this fatal four-way. So um, I didn't think Carmella was going to win anytime soon. Uh, I didn't think Natalia was going to win either. I thought, eh, maybe, maybe Naomi, but I didn't think so. I just thought it was Bliss all the way. Curveball City. So, you know, I like that. I like when they kind of catch you off guard a little bit, and they did for me. Uh, with Natalia, I understand what you're saying again. Like I said about maybe being a little bland for her, um, maybe you could have someone like Becky bring out a mean streak in her. I don't think they should push the whole cat lady thing that she loves her cat. She's obsessed with cats and all that. I I think you know, I, I let let's see more of what we saw on Raw after she won the Fatal Four Way, where she was a hard ass. She was she was like she was. She, you saw some temper in her. I thought that was cool. We'll see how it plays out, right? Speakerphone underscore Jones. He's world famous. Thank you, Tazu, for talking BB21. That's Big Brother 21. As I enjoy watching with my wife as well, I would like to submit my suggestion for Markology to changing the term mock to Bilotti. Okay, keep hashtag... Uh, keep running the game, he's saying. Uh, hashtag the Taz Show. Hashtag we over. Okay, so basically, a little inside baseball, he's calling Pete the Body a mock um, because Pete the Body is the board operator for Taz and the Moose, and he's a huge wrestling fan, Pete the Body, for like decades, like old school wrestling fan. He still follows the business immensely. And he, Pete the Body, his real last name is Bilotti, he, Pete, gets very upset at all of you people, like true hardcore Taz show fans or just mocks. He hates mocks, even though we're all mocks. And Pete the body, Pete Bilotti, he's the head mock. But he, so he kind of gives some people that really delve into Taz and Moose, like the speakerphone Jones, like the Kingsman, you know, even Lean Mean at times, which you don't hear much from Lean Mean, because I don't think Lean Mean has the patience to deal with Bilotti's bullshit. So 
the fans are starting to get a little upset at Pete Malati, Pete the body. And uh, he's actually a good guy, but sometimes he can be a little bit of a douche towards the other wrestling fans. I think he just wants to be the only fan. It's kind of weird, but that's Pete Pilati. Speaking of phone, Jones, thank you uh, for your suggestion slash comment slash whatever the fuck it is you sent me. What else we got here? Uh, I said Kuehl. Nice name. What's your opinion on Cody continually taking shots at WWE? Do you think it's okay, or should he shut his mouth until the product is polished? Hashtag FTW, hashtag running the game. Well, look, Cody's entitled to say and do whatever he wants. I mean, he's been around a lot of years, and, you know, his family's history in the industry, obviously the success and his success uh, in WWE and now into what he's been doing. Um, and he's obviously an executive vice president, so he's got a, you know he's got the stroke, he's got the power, so he kind of could do what he wants. And I I like Cody, I respect Cody. Um, my personal opinion, just to answer your question bluntly, I don't think he should um, keep taking shots at WWE. I I I think that it's just it's no need for it. Um, and I got a feeling they'll probably just stop doing it. It because and look, I, I've talked about this a lot here. You know, WWE. They kind of took the first public shot at AEW at the Hall of Fame deal when Triple H with DX going to the Hall of Fame, and he was like rib ribbing uh, and goofing on you know on uh, Billy Gunn, you know about being an agent for AEW and some of the comments he made. I was very surprised Triple H did that, and then we saw Sami Zayn make one mention of AEW. I think the next night on Raw, uh, I, I'm trying to remember when that was. It was close to WrestleMania after WrestleMania. That shocked the shit out of me too. But then we haven't heard. Nothing from WWE on AEW, and you're not going to. That's done. <laughs> you're not going to hear nothing else from a, from them. I really would be surprised. Um, but yet we hear AEW, they're doing it here and there, uh, and they're not even on TV every week yet. I really hope for AEW that they don't do this all the time because it's just just by you asking the question and and just by you saying, do you just by you noticing as a fan. And a lot of fans have noticed that Cody is continually taking shots at WWE. That right there says it's too much. If it's if, if it's that obvious, it shouldn't. There's no like. It's not like they're saying something about Cody or doing something. And if he's got a big chip on his shoulder, Cody towards WWE, then that's cool. I respect that. I've I went for my whole career with a chip on my shoulder and and use it as motivation. And I've had my chip on my shoulder about a lot of people throughout all my years. <clears throat> I don't normally say who my my heat is with and who motivates me and who disgusts me. And I've had a lot of people over the years, a good handful, and that motivated me to, to kind of get where I got, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, and I took no shortcuts. And I'm not saying Cody took any shortcuts because he didn't, um, but I do think that, in just my opinion, because you asked me, got to be careful if they continue to do this. I just don't think there's a reason for it. Um, okay, you know, you just, just go about your business and do your thing, in, in my view. Um, it, I, you know, I, I, I just don't think it's needed. Um, and it's not, look, I mean, the last one he, what did he say? And, and again, I didn't see it. I saw the clip of what he said. I think it was when they made a donation, AW, uh, they donated a check, which was very kind. And I, I'm, I, it escapes me, right? Escapes my mind. What it was a charity or something sorts of that. And, um, Cody had made a statement that he was kind of fired up about, you know, about AEW, which he should be. He's proud. And it was a statement and paraphrasing city here, something like, 
you can't continue to think you're going to counter program AEW or something like that. And I, I just think it, unless I'm a little confused, I don't understand how even that set and like, I don't understand, like, you know, like, cause again, Cody was saying that again, paraphrasing the passion and love that comes out of AEW, the locker room his, he's alluding to the wrestlers there, um, how much passion they have that you can't replicate that. You can't copy that. I, I got to tell you, if I was a wrestler in WWE, that would piss me off. Like, not a McMahon, a wrestler in WWE. That would piss me off. Because now I'd feel like, well, wait a minute. So now you're saying that I don't have passion because I work for WWE. Like, I don't care about my craft. I don't care about what I do in the ring. I don't I don't have pride in what I do because I, I, I don't work for an independent or I don't work for AEW and I'm not working under Tony Khan and because – um, I or I don't work for some renegade promotion in Japan or in, in Europe or in Mexico. Well, that means I can't love what I do. Like I can't have pr- what what is that's that's how I would have taken it. <laughs> just me, just my. But I mean, I'm not an active wrestler anymore, and I'm not in the WWE locker room. But I'm just saying how I would have taken that. Um, but you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, it's all good for wrestling. It's just it's good chatter. Um that people are passionate about the companies they work for and with where you saw Seth Rollins going on Twitter, you know, recently, and we talked about it going off about shit and how proud he is of the WWE locker room and what they do every single night all over the world. And then you have Cody, his pride. I mean, you know, for AW at the end of the day, guys, it's all good, but I'm not going to shit on that because I'm from that world. And I was with one of the companies where we, we were, we were doing this shit before everybody in the ECW, you know, in the real deal, you know, during a time where it was real. I mean, we didn't have the resources that WWE had or WCW or Tony Khan has. We didn't have that kind of money. We didn't have, we didn't have that, you know, Heyman didn't have that at, at the helm. He didn't, I promise you. But you know, we, we, what we had was drive and we had passion and we, we were fueled by rage and we all didn't get along all the time, but but we had that passion. So I see that passion in Cody's eyes when he cuts his promo. I respect that. I get it. And I see that passion in Seth Rollins through Twitter when he puts out what he put out. I get it, you know. And and uh, you know, and a guy like Will Ospreay and what he's doing, where he's going, when he went back at 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 Seth Rollins, and then they they've obviously you know shook hands and made up on Twitter, which is cool. But they got it out there. It's good for wrestling at the end of the day. But uh, button up your question. Uh, I, I do. I don't think AEW should continue to do that. Um, in my professional opinion, I'll tell you what. You know what time it is. You know what has to happen right now. So it's because I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly uh, providing content. I'm a top-notch content provider. I'm always, let me just get this water, hang on, talking, so the esophagus and the vocal cords, hang on, let's just get this thing going here for a second, give me a second. Oh, man, Ray Jones, beautiful. Thank you to whoever you are in Philadelphia that had the, uh, the Water Break Jones sign in Philadelphia at the uh, the pay-per-view at the Extreme Rules gimmick on Sunday night. I don't know who you are. I appreciate that you did that. It was very kind of you. Thank you, Jobber. Sign was orange and black, too. All right, be right back. All right, here we go. We're back here. 
time I hear this song, I, I wish I could do the, the human beatbox. I don't know how to do it. Suck at it. Awesome, bro. Incubus Jones. All right, anyways, so back to the uh, gimmick here. The Taz Hall. A lot of questions from you people. Plethora of awesome questions. What do we got here? We got uh, Dom Deloroso. Ah, I went ahead. Dom, I'll get to you in a second. I said cool. Dude, you just answered the question earlier. How, how, Brian, how did he, he get to... Anyway, he said, oh, oh, it's the second part. Uh, Two-part question, Jones. I guess he's allowed to do that. Oh, how is your dead hand doing these days since you had the surgery? This is what I said. Kuhl said, well, the dead hand, it's alive. It's alive. It's not full power, but it's doing well. That I can tell you. It's doing well since I had the surgery, I have to say. It's been, what, a year and a half, two years? Um, I'm probably at, I don't know, 85-ish percent, 90% full strength. I could still punch the fuck out of a wall or rip someone's limb off their body or maybe tear your ear off your head with no problem. But if I had to open up a bottle of soda, like twisting motions, uh, shitty sit, shitty, shitty Jones. I, I have a problem. Any twisting motions. Like I had to use a, a Phillips head screwdriver. The other day to screw a screw in and i had issues um yeah so when i have to turn no good full full thrusting power uh power jones but when i got a twist uh shit show so just letting you know but it's still pretty good and i appreciate you asking hopefully you don't have any more questions i said q you fucking hit me with a litany all right, yeah, we're back to Dom here. Dom Deloroso, uh, what do you think of Camp Comeback Jones? Feel like it defeats the whole purpose of being evicted. Hashtag BB21. Uh, hashtag too many gimmicks Jones. Okay, so Camp Comeback, what that is, ladies and gentlemen, that's on Big Brother. Okay, so that's basically something that when you get evicted out of the house, now it's the first year they're doing this. Now, instead of getting completely thrown out, four people, so over four weeks, get put in Camp Comeback. So um, right now, there's this guy, Ovi. He was the first one in there. Then this guy, David, came back in the house. Uh, but he had to go right, because he was the first one evicted. He had to go right to Kim Comeback, so that's two. Then this other young lady named Kemi, she got evicted out of the house, so she's in there. And now this week, it seems like this girl, Nicole's going to be evicted. And then she will end up at Camp Comeback. And then all four of them battle back to get back in the house. So basically, Camp Comeback... Um, I'm just giving backstory on this because a lot of people don't know what, what Dom's talking about. So camp comeback means you you live in a house, but you don't compete. You're not in any competitions. You live with everyone. You get to eat with everyone. You get to do all that stuff, but you don't get to sleep in the same bedrooms they do. You have your own like kind of like a half shitty bedroom, and it looks like kind of a busted up campground. Uh, so that's what it is. Mark Jones. I mean, Mark for fucking Big Brother. It's unbelievable. Um, for those that are true uh, old-school Taz Show fans, you know I had Chris Roach on as a guest on the Taz Show a few years back who's one of the executive producers of Big Brother. Chris Roach used to be a writer in WWE, and that's how I got to know Chris. And then he left WWE years ago, and he became a big shot with fucking Big Brother. And Chris is a good dude, and he still follows the business. And then Chris was also uh, one of the creative people behind Lucha Underground. So Chris Roach is a good dude. And so that's another reason why I like supporting Big Brother, because Chris is my homie. Uh, so anyways, so what do I think now, Dom, of Camp Comeback? I don't like it. 
I'm with you. It does kind of defeat the whole purpose of the eviction. If you're gone, you're fucking gone. Okay, I don't need you in the house. It's like, so now I got to uh, I got to evict you. Now I got to worry about looking at your face all week or for two weeks or for three weeks. And I got heat with you. And it's like, oh, shit. And now you've seen everything I'm doing. So it's like the cool thing, though, I will say it is cool for the game because in the past, as you know, they would have people battle back to get in the house, but they weren't living in the house. Now, these four people are all living in the house, like I just explained, and they're getting to see the landscape of who's jockeying with who, who's alliance with who, and all that kind of shit. So that part, I, I think, is cool, but I don't like the whole concept. I mean, I give Chris Roach and his team a lot of credit for trying to be creative and change up the show a little bit. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of it, but it seems like most people like it, so... Uh, anyway, so I hope that answered your question. Who else we got here? All right, we got a wrestling question. All right. Shahasni Haas. Is that name wrong? Shahish Haas. Hey, Taz. What was Mike Awesome like? How was he in the locker room? Was, uh, was he ahead of his time? All right, so Mike Awesome, like, in the ECW locker room, like, early years ECW, you know, Mike was an all-business guy, uh, big, huge, strong guy, tough son of a bitch. Um, he was, he kind of stayed to himself. I mean, he was, I'm trying to remember back in the day, him, he and, him, Sabu, and Rob Van Dam, they were pretty good friends for quite some time. I know that. But but Mike kind of chilled on his own. I, I'm trying to remember. It was a lot of years ago. I, I know, I think I was on a show years ago in Detroit. I think that's where Mike is from, like that part of the country, like Michigan or somewhere around there. And Sabu's from Michigan, and I and Rob's from Michigan. And I think that I think that Rob, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Sabu was kind of, you know, I I, I would assume uh, had maybe vouched for Mike to come into the company or what have you. I thought Mike was awesome, uh, no pun intended. I I really did. I mean, I thought he was. What he did in ECW when he came in, he was, you know, he was a, a nasty heel, big fucking powerful dude, like I said, and and he worked snug as shit, Japanese strong style, uh, powerhouse guy. Um, did a lot of the guys in the locker room love him? Not really. Um, he, you know, he he could be a little bit of a you know thick headed guy, tough guy. Um, but who was I to pass judgment on him because I had a similar reputation. <laughs> so I, I, but I personally never had a problem with Mike. Um, and even when I came back to that, that infamous show in, in, in Indianapolis and wrestled Mike awesome when I was with WWE and Mike signed with WCW and I had to take the ECW title from him in Indianapolis. I've told the story many times when Mike and I went over to match in a hotel in Indianapolis, cause he really wasn't allowed in the locker room. Um, Mike was a true pro, and in that match, he was. I didn't know if he was you know, going to try and shoot on me. He didn't know if I was going to try and shoot on him. Um, none of us did that. We were professionals, and I, I had no problem with Mike. I, you know, I mean, Mike's no longer with us, as you guys know. Most of you guys know, but um, uh, was he ahead of his time? Maybe a little bit for such a big man, how athletic he was, and some of the dives he did. Big, thick, powerful, muscular guy, and he was athletic as heck, flying around the ring at times. I, I guess for that. He was ahead of his time, I would say, yeah. But um, but in the locker room, I kind of gave you a feel of what he was like. I mean, I personally had no problem with Mike, and uh, and and hopefully he's uh, you know resting in peace. So, 
Evil Sir 24, any update on video returning? Would love to see your reactions to questions with or without getting fucking pissed off. Hashtag RTG, hashtag Waterbake Jones, uh, hashtag stop with the fucking hashtags. Okay, so yeah, no update on the video. I don't think it's happening. Uh, how's that update? Um, so yeah, um, look, there. I can't get into details for 2020 because i don't have full details there's some things that may be happening so i don't know um i just i probably shouldn't even go down this road because 2020 could be a whole different year for the human suplex machine let's just put it that way i know it sounds like a really fucking vague statement but when i say a whole different year, it's a whole different year for everybody not just the human suplex machine right I mean, things could change, and I don't mean negatively. So uh, that's all I'm saying. So I, I just can't get it. But no, there is no update on video, brother. I, I wish I wish we still had the video. I really do. Uh, but right now, no. The answer is no, 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 no. Okay? No. Anyways, uh, what else we got here? We got uh, FSU underscore Knowles underscore four underscore life. So this guy's a Florida State Seminoles fan. That's pretty obvious to me. Uh if WWE is going to put the PG era in the rearview mirror, do you believe they should go all the way with it? Seems like it's start and stop, kind of like the way they book their talent. Hashtag Nitz, hashtag Sal Rosenberg, hashtag Jerky Boy Jones over here. You look, I have no problem with WWE start stopping it. I think it's kind of cool. It keeps us as the audience thinking. Well, are we going kind of PG? Are we PG-13? Sometimes we are, you know, rated R. What are we doing? You know, and I think that's okay. I don't think you could do that for too long. But I think in the all-important transition time period, you have to kind of do what they're doing, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, okay? Dean.Smith88. Hey, Taz. What is the one thing that you have from your time in the business that means the most to you? Something no amount of money could buy. Hashtag intrusive Jones. Hashtag Taz Hall. Hashtag buy a hat. Hashtag FTW. Well, I, I would say the, the number one thing that I have for my time in the business is my gear. You know, uh, all my singlets, my boots, uh, Black towels, uh, you know, um, championships. Though, just my that's that's who Taz was. That's who the human suplex machine was, and and I have all that stuff. So to me, um, there's no price tag. I don't sell anything you see on eBay and all that. That's I don't sell shit. So nobody's buying my shit because I'm. So anybody you see selling shit that says authentic, it's a lie. Um, everything, everything. I sell nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, nothing. So I might have given a singlet, singlet or two away for charity, something like that. But I don't, I don't talk about that or publicize that. I just do it, and when people make a suggestion or what have you, or I want to do something, and I don't talk about it. But that's really, and then they auction it off. That may be a little different. So that's where I guess it could be a little bit of a gray area of is it authentic or not. So if someone buys it at an auction, then they sell. I guess for that, then it would be really mine i i guess but it's not me selling it and i don't make any money on that stuff if i give something away to charity that's a memorabilia from my character it's because i'm trying to do it out of kindness of my heart so obviously so but yeah no i all my singlets all my boots um 
you know, all, all that stuff is uh, everything to me. You know, I'm just thinking now, it was somebody, I'm drawing a damn blank, that I, a friend of mine, uh, about a year ago, I promised him a pair of boots. He did me a big favor, and I was going to give him a pair of my boots. I have probably about, I don't know, shit, nine or ten pair of wrestling boots, orange and black configurations. And, man, I never gave him the boots. Renee Jones, I feel horrible. And I just, because I just plum forgot. What the fuck was that? Maybe I'll do one off the air. I can't remember. Wow. Shithead City. That's me. Here we go. Uh, Thomas Charles Gentry. How do you feel about finishes becoming transitional moves? Uh, Example, DDT uh, and Superkick. Well, it's kind of a, a good spin off question off of what I handled earlier in this this podcast. Um not a fan of it. Um I see some of my suplexes that people try to replicate, but they don't do it properly and they do, do them as transitions and I it does bother me. And not just me, to your point, like the super kick is so oversaturated. It really is. I mean there were several guys over the years that used it as finishes. Uh but it's really oversaturated. Uh, DDT is another one. Those are good examples you're giving. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, I do think the transitions are vital as a professional wrestler. It's something, something you can't explain unless you're getting trained to be a wrestler and you're teaching someone in a ring. It's tough to talk about on a podcast, but it's very important what you do in between moves. I've always talked about here on the Taz Show for close to 700 episodes how vital that is. Um, I I'm not a fan of big, big finishing moves being used as transitions. I think it shits on them. I also will tell you, the other thing that's oversaturated besides a super kick is fucking false finishes. Okay, and that's what what makes an exciting match now all of a sudden. A ton of false finishes. It's like one, two, kick out, and everybody everybody pops. One, two, kick out, and everybody pops. And the audience is not helping it. It just makes it, it really is oversaturating the false finish. I mean, it's just too many false finishes, too many. It's all the wrestling companies, everything. I don't care where, where in the world you go. It's like out of control. So uh, I don't want to have a get off my grass moment, but gee whiz, it just seems like a lot, really. What else we got here? The Dean of Psy. Do you think WWE should consider doing seasonal brands on the network to better utilize talent that's sitting on the bench? Like maybe bring back ECW and do it a lower budget, grit, lower budget and gritty, and have it run a certain amount of episodes. Or same thing with WCW, a nostalgic driven brand that doesn't have to run all year long. Look, I think you're onto something. I've thought of stuff like this too. I and I think you're onto something, Dean, for sure. The ECW thing, no, uh, because they tried that, and the rebirth of ECW was a fucking epic, horrendous thing, and I was there as an announcer, and I hated it, but, you know, the effort was there, and they put some money in it, and they tried to get the talent that were on the bench to get moved, you know, and it just, the intent was good. It just didn't work. Um, Now, if you're saying to me, like, we saw this, I thought was an excellent Evolve show, that's what I watched over the weekend, the 10th anniversary of Evolve, on a, and it was on the WWE Network. That was fucking great. And I'm so happy for Gabe Sapolsky. And I know Gabe since way back in ECW, you know, when he was just more or less an intern in ECW and just helping Paul out and just like, a you know, uh, really paid his dues. But 
I, you know, I think something like that is great where you're using that on a network and now you have a, a couple of other smaller wrestling promotions like an Evolve and you do business with them so they can make some extra money and then you get them on a network and so now you're giving a network new uh, and your subscribers new content and then I guess eventually they would go into a tier system with because they're not going to give you all these different wrestling promotions for nine ninety nine a month, you know, along with the pay-per-views and all this other stuff. So eventually the WWE Network, you know, there's going to be tier systems that's going to happen where, you know, for $12.99 a month, you get this. All right, for $14.99 a month, you get this, you know. So, and I, I, they are not in the business to rip people off. That I can tell you. You never really hear people say that about WWE because they're not ripping you off. Vince is not like that. His family's not like that. That I'm telling you. Um... I get what you're saying and, and getting other talent out there working. I mean, they're kind of quasi doing that with 205, I know, but some of the big dudes can't work on that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think what we saw with Evolve was, no pun intended, the evolution of something that could continue with the WWE Network and smaller wrestling promotions. I do think you will see that more. And then I do think it'll be kind of a little bit of what you're saying here, you know, where you're going to have – talent that's not being utilized on smackdown or raw uh, or nxt or whatever and you know they're, and they're going to be on these other shows I, I do think that could happen uh good question though scotty's dot shots hey taz do you think michael cole should stop calling becky lynch the real life girlfriend of seth rollins uh, we all know the most of the storylines are scripted um but it's hard to suspend the, the uh, disbelief for for a while when Cole keeps pointing out the real parts. Hashtag bring back Taz to commentary. Wow, look at that hashtag. Um, look, at Cole's doing that because he has to. It's his job that he's getting that direction from his boss. That's number one. He's not going to business for himself. Um, this is what they want to do with Seth and Becky. They want to bring this forward. They were, it's well documented now that, that they're a real couple. Um. And obviously, Seth and Becky are comfortable with it. And, you know, I do think at times it feels like a little too much. Not the Michael Cole portion of it, but just that it's we're constantly being told. But you got to understand the way the WWE mindset is that there's new viewers all the time. And Vince feels like that. You got to keep reminding people each week because you can't get complacent and just placate to the same audience that's always there. There's always new people. So. That could be why that's happening, too. You know, good question. Uh, back to the uh, Florida State guy, FSU underscore Knowles underscore four underscore life. Who is your Mount Rushmore of greatest linebackers of all time? Hashtag Jack Lambert. Hashtag Count Dracula. Yeah, he was that, that, was his, that was his nickname. I would go with Jack Lambert on my Mount, Mush, Mount Rushmore of linebackers. I would go with Dick Buckus. I would go with Ray Nitschke. So Dick Buckus of Chicago Bear fame, number 51 Jones. Uh, Ray Nishke, Green Bay Packers, Snow Teeth City, uh, 66. That was my high school number because I was a big mark for Ray Nishke. And the fourth man would be la, 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 Ray Lewis, number 52, Baltimore Ravens, as far as greatest linebackers. Now, wait, I have to, re- I have to back up on your question. You said greatest linebackers of all time. I thought it said greatest middle linebackers of all time. Aha, uh-huh. a little bit of a different story. I thought it's a great. All right. So I'm still throwing Jack Lambert in there. Man, this is tough. I'm going to put Lawrence Taylor in there. Uh, number 56, amazing outside outside linebacker. 
for the New York Giants back in the day. So we got we got no, we got Jack Lambert. We got I'm keeping Ray Lewis in there. I got Ray Lewis, Jack Lambert, and I got um I got uh, Lawrence Taylor. And I'm going to take Nitschke out, and I'm going to keep Dick Buckus in. So there it is. Okay. There you go. Some linebacker chatter for you. All right. What else we got here? Phantom One. Uh, what move did you ever want to do in a ring but never was able to do it? Hashtag Juggy Gals. Hashtag Two and Uncle Buck. <laughs> Juggy Gals. Another Jerky Boy reference. I love it. I was just talking with my friend Johnny Brennan, uh, Frank Rizzo from the Jerky Boys the other day, actually. He's a good dude. He's been on the Taz show, too, as you guys know. Uh, la, 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 la. I would go with what move have I ever done I always wanted to do it. I, never, I, I think it was always cool. The moonsault was cool. I'd never done one. I never could do one. I never, never even fucking tried in, in warm-ups or practice or at a dojo either. Um, I was fucking scared a lot of those flip shits, like backward flips because of my neck and all that shit, so I didn't want to mess with any of that stuff, to be frank. Um, and I kept my shit map based for the most part, but I would say moonsault, springboard Jones, springboard off the middle middle rope, uh, moonsault type thing. That would be pretty badass. You know, never did it, but I I don't give a fuck. I mean, I I loved my offense, but if I had to pick one, that would be one. Uh, C uh, Reyes fourteen. Taz, what's your favorite thing about being a wrestler? Was about being a wrestler or commentator? Or just the whole aura. Um that I know I earned my stripes to get where I was. And I knew that, uh, you know, I respected my peers and my peers respected me. It seemed like to my face anyway, um, no matter when I was a wrestler or a commentator, I felt like we all had mutual respect and that brotherhood. That's what I loved. That was probably the number one thing. Um, just that, that bond, that, that, that code that we all had, no matter if you liked the guy or not, there was that code there. So that, that's something that I haven't found uh, outside of wrestling. It's not in radio. It's not in podcasting. Um, it's in pro wrestling. That I can tell you. And that that I missed the brotherhood. Um, R. Mizzy thirty one. What are your thoughts on talent dating? Talents dating. Hey, listen, I it's it happens, man, because you know, you're on the road so much, you're around each other so much, you see people, you know, more than your family. So when people hook up together and become a couple, it's not a shock to me. I've seen it happen over years. Used to just be kept much more quieter years ago. Now it just seems like with social media, it's kind of just out there. Um, so it seems like there's more than years ago, but it's not. It's just it's just it's it's more it's just out there because everybody's putting this stuff on social media. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. But there were always you know couples together for years in the locker room. I mean, you know, guys and girls going out with each other or married or whatever. I've seen it everywhere I've worked. So, um, so, but I, I have no problem with it. I, you know, it's almost don't affect what you're doing out there. I, I think it's great. Uh, what else we got here? Right, we're going to, we're going to wrap this biatch up here in a second. Last one, Jones, Craig underscore Mac 33, four, five, three. How did you convince Vince to let you say, holy shit. After Lesnar and big show collapsed the ring. Very easy. I went up to Vince and I said, look at, um, Vince want to get this fucking thing over. I think I should say what I really would say if this was a shoot. And he goes, what would you say, pal? And I would say, holy fucking shit. But I think maybe I should just say, holy shit. And he said, 
I like it. I like it. I go, yeah, maybe we just beep it. And he goes, let's do it. And that was, that was kind of the conversation. <laughs> That's how I convinced Vince. I kind of just let him know what I would really say, like what I would real, how I would really react. And he thought that fit and got over the, ang- would get over the spot and the angle and he was right, and I was right, and it worked. So we did it, and that's basically how it worked. That's how it all went down. And this just went down, and I appreciate all you guys listening. And if you're not subscribing to my podcast and you just testing me out, well, I hope I passed your fucking test, okay? Subscribe to my content because I'm the best. You understand? I am the best, and I love every one of you. I love everyone in this world. You know that, okay? No, guys, I kid. Listen. Thanks for all the support. You know that. Uh, and I'll be back at you very soon, obviously. Uh, I'm Taz. You're not. Thanks again, guys. Screen names back then when I was only worried about my top friends. Now my circle is getting smaller. All these people acting fake, man. And to be honest, I don't even have a top ten. Me against the world. I've been doing what I really love. Haters been hiding behind the screen, man. They movie cuts. And when I'm back at home, it never feels the same. Cause we've been doing our own thing, trying to stay up. I wanna go back to days with no. Good.